feel kind of like God. <laughs> and then this man with the devil on his hand came and took the hat. Free Britney. Free Britney. Hey, all you voodoos and voodolls and all you voodies in between. It is Nick Nobody Savage, and I've been gone for far too long, but I have returned once more. That's right, COVID couldn't stop me. And yes, I'm going to blame this entire multi-month gap in episodes entirely on COVID. Big whoop, wanna fight about it? Now, how have all my voodies been since the last episode? Did you miss me? Because I've sure as hell missed you. I gotta say, there's nothing quite like being in the studio. Last time we met, I told you about some of the times when the limelight has turned deadly in From Fame to Foul Play. This week, I found a rather creepy story that as soon as I heard about it, I just knew I had to cover it. Even creepier is the police footage from within the house of this disturbed individual. I will include a link in the episode description so you can check it out for yourself. However, before we dive into this week's episode, I received a message from a listener about one of the stories that was covered in one of the Cutthroat Kids episodes. And though I will revisit the story again in the future to tell the true version of the Browning family murders, I just wanted to take a moment to address it briefly. First, a huge shout out to the Voodie who actually knew the Browning family for reaching out about the truth behind what happened on that fateful night. The common story, and the one that I reported on way back in the early days of Dab to Death, was that these murders were way more premeditated than they actually were. Well, that turns out, it may not be the case. So, stay tuned for the revisiting of the Browning family murder story featuring insider information from one of our listeners. Now, let's kick back, take a dab, and get into the creepy-ass collection that was found in the home of a former Russian linguist and historian named Anatoly Moskvin. And speaking of dabs... This week, I will be dabbing on some very special genetics that they have been processing at Paper Planes over the past couple weeks. Uh, the first of which is the Stardog Wilson. That's Stardog crossed with Wilson. Uh, it's a live resin batter. I believe these are all going to be live resin batters. Now, the coloration on this is so light and so... Uh, I almost want to say like pale that it, it almost looks like it's rosin or like it's definitely CRC'd, but it's definitely not. You know, I know, I know firsthand that it's not. So the look of it is amazing. The smell of it's good. Gotta love it. Uh, another Wilson strain cross is the Masonic crossed with Wilson. Yes, that's Masonic smoker, you know. Uh, for those of you familiar with Masonic's genetics here in California. Um, so yeah, the Masonic Wilson, we've got, uh, let me see. Oh, wow. Definitely not as a, a light golden color, but it definitely has a really clean smell to it. I, I don't really know how to describe it other than that. It just smells really, 
fresh, you know? Uh, next up, we have the lemon tree live resin batter. God, them citrus terps just really come through beautifully on that one. Like, uh, every time, every time we run any of the like lemon tree stuff, Masonic stuff. Ooh, this jet fuel pie. My God. All right. So, yeah. So, I've got Jet Fuel Pie, Stardog Wilson, Masonic Wilson, and Lemon Tree. So, I think I'm going to start us off here with uh, the one I'm probably most interested to try. And that's going to be the Masonic Wilson. Right, get a nice little decent sized Dabaroni on here. Come on. You can melt. Melt. Ooh. Bullshit. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. <coughs> oh, fuck. <coughs> Honestly, has a really nice, <coughs> subtle flavor to it. <coughs> Almost has like a fruitiness to it. It's really good. Alrighty. Whew. I can take a little sippy here. By the way, uh, I don't normally tell you what I'm drinking. But if you haven't tried, uh, God, what is it? Bacardi Dragon Fruit. Bacardi's dragon fruit flavored rum with uh, Sprite. It tastes like fucking Skittles. Not like a specific flavor of Skittle, but like it definitely tastes like fucking Skittles. Like, you know, if like you're just chowing down on a bag of Skittles and you get that like sweet sugary flavor in your mouth, just that overall like rainbow deliciousness, you know? But yeah, so if you haven't tried it and you're over the age of 21, you should try it. It's a good combination. <sighs> All right. Well, now that I'm nice and medicated, I think I am ready to delve into this week's dark and disturbing topic. The Necropolist, Anatoly Moskvin's House of Dolls. Some of you may already be familiar with the story of Anatoly Yuryevich Moskvin, but if you are not, then you might want to do another dab, because this shit's gnarly. Anatoly Moskvin was born on September 1st, 1966 in the city of Gorky in Soviet Russia. Gorky is now known as... <sighs> Bear with me here. Nitsny Novgorod. I think I did all right on that. Now, even as a young schoolboy, Anatoly had an odd fascination with death and graveyards. 
often wandering through local cemeteries with his friends. His favorite of these graveyards seemed to be the Krasnaya Etna Cemetery in the city's Leninsky district. And in an article that he wrote shortly before he was arrested, we'll get to that in a minute, he told the story of a time when he witnessed the funeral of an 11-year-old girl. He claimed that he was forced to kiss the dead girl by the people attending the funeral, thus sparking his obsession with death. Other than his bizarre fascination with burial rituals, death, and the occult, Anatoly graduated from Moscow State University and became rather well-known in the academic world. Anatoly especially loved Celtic history and excelled in language studies, growing a personal library of over 60,000 books and historical documents. He was known as both an eccentric and a genius by fellow academics. I mean, most geniuses are pretty damn eccentric. And he also began a collection of dolls. Yep, just completely normal dolls that in no way are creepy or disturbing. Oh, who am I kidding? This wouldn't be dabbed to death if there wasn't something creepy or disturbing about this story. I mean, come on, do you even know me? After graduating from Moscow State University... Anatoly held several positions, including at the Institute of Foreign Languages and as a lecturer in Celtic Studies at Nizhny Novgorod Linguistic University. Languages were definitely Anatoly's thing. In fact, the man was fluent in 13 languages. I'm pretty sure he invented his own language, too. Like, the dude was fucking smart. Uh, anyway... Using his broad depth of knowledge, he actually wrote several books and papers that are well-known in academic communities and occasionally worked as a journalist writing for several local papers. You know what? I think I'm just going to take another dad break real quick. It's not going to be a super long episode this week. Uh, you know, I just wanted to make a return, get back on the, the habit of posting regularly, have a really big episode uh, planned for you guys next time. Uh, you stay tuned at the end of the episode to find out what it is. But yeah, I just wanted to get back in the habit of posting regularly. And I do apologize again for the absence again. But hopefully this is the last time and I'm back at it and I'm stronger, better. You know, I'm like the six million dollar man, you know, except it's the six million dollar dab. Anyway, <clears throat> So, next, I think I'm going to try the lemon tree. Just the, the way that those citrus turps hit my nose the second I opened it. God damn. That's the power of pine salt, baby. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is definitely a lot more of a, uh, a softer consistency than the last one, I will say. The last one was more of a hard batter. This is more of like a damn near liquid batter, but I kind of like it when it's like that. You know, it's easier to work with. Um, well, I mean, that's not necessarily true with the chunky shit. You can just like break a piece off and, you know, have at it, but.
I am getting a very strong pine flavor. <coughs> I know I'd said the whole thing about power of pine salt, but no, this really, whoo, that is the power of pine salt. God damn, lemon fresh. Can't wait till the video content starts up and you can actually see what I'm smoking. Because, you know, I can try and describe it to you, but it's just so much better to just show you. We'll get there. We'll get there next week. Next week, people. Oh, no. I gave away a little bit too much. Ignore that. Pay no mind to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> Why was I just coughing like an old guy? Like I was about to yell at somebody to get off my lawn. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. That was really good. All right. Now, where were we? Oh, yeah. Creepy ass Anatoly. Now, a self-proclaimed necropolist, it was no surprise when he was commissioned by a fellow academic named Oleg Ryabov in 2005 to summarize and list the dead in over 700 cemeteries in the area. In case you were wondering, a necropolist... <clears throat> Sorry, drink break. Discover the rainbow! Taste the rainbow! In case you were wondering, a necropolist is someone who studies or is knowledgeable of graves and grave sites. So there's that. Over the next two years, Anatoly claimed that he traveled on foot, inspecting 752 cemeteries throughout the region, walking up to 30 kilometers a day. Uh, that's about 18.6 miles for us stubborn Americans who refuse to use. The same system as literally everybody else in the world. <clears throat> Moving on. Awkward. During this two-year period, Anatoly lived primarily off the land, drinking water from puddles and sleeping in haystacks, abandoned farms, and even some of the cemeteries. Ooh, creepy. Sometimes he would even lie on top of the graves, as the druids would do, in an attempt to communicate with the spirits of the dead. The truly disturbing thing, though, it that, is that this wasn't even his first time doing this. In fact, Moskvin claimed that he had been doing this for over 20 years. It started with sleeping on the graves of recently deceased children, whose obituaries quote, spoke to him, hoping to determine if the spirit wished to be brought back to life. Now, other than the strange fascination with the dead and his tendency to sleep on graves, where did everything go wrong for Anatoly Moskvin? 
and why are we discussing him here today? Well, remember how I was just talking about how Anatoly would sleep on the graves of recently deceased children? Well, it didn't really stop there. Eventually, Anatoly claimed that as he grew older, it became physically painful for him to sleep on the graves, and so he began to dig up their bodies and bring them home with him where they might, quote, feel more comfortable, end quote, but only with their permission, of course. Like, how do you get permission from a dead person? I'm sorry, but you, you just like, you dig them up and you're just like, hey, uh, can I take you home? The dead body just lays there quietly, and you're just like, I take your silence as a resounding yes. I don't know why he sounds like that, because he's Russian, but whatever. Run it back in your head, but with a Russian accent. Or don't. Keep him weird. I like it. Anyway, Anatoly hoped that by bringing the dead children to his home, they would feel safer and more likely to speak to him. Of course, once you start bringing a bunch of corpses back to your house, you kind of have to figure out a way to preserve them. Anatoly began researching mummification theories and techniques in an attempt to help in his preservation of these post-mortem companions. Using a combination of salt and baking soda, he would store the bodies in a dry, safe space near the cemetery until it was dried enough for him to transfer it to his home. He would then use various methods to turn the bodies into life-size dolls, hoping that these would serve as functional bodies when he eventually managed to bring them back to life. Huh, on that note, I think it's time for another dab. Uh, so I've done the lemon tree and I did the Masonic Wilson. Uh, so I guess I'll do the Stardog Wilson next. Um... This is the one that, honestly, I just think looks the best uh, as far as color, appearance, texture. It's got a really nice smell to it. <sighs> Almost kind of tropical. Hmm. Okay, this one's also more of like a solid batter. Uh, has a little bit of give to it, so it's not like, you know, too rocky or not too hard, but definitely, definitely liking it so far. Really wish I could show you this one. Actually, you know what I might start doing is posting uh, pictures of what I'm dabbing on the Instagram page. You know, so I'll, I'll look into that. Mmm. What I like about this one is that it had like a really, like, like I said, tropical, delicate smell to it. But then when you smoke it, it's kind of got like this 
this funkiness, this like headiness that just comes in. Almost like an OG, you know, kind of, hmm. And the really great thing is that you get a completely different flavor profile on the Stardog Wilson than you do the Masonic Wilson. And I know a lot of times when a company will do crosses of the same thing, you know, it'll be like, oh, you know, this mixed with Skittles and this mixed with Skittles. It's like really all you're tasting is the Skittles, you know. And so with this, what I like is even though you've got Masonic or even though you've got Wilson in both of these, the Masonic and the Stardog bring something totally different to the table. So. Oh, man. Whew. Uh, if you live in California and you haven't tried Paper Planes yet and you listen to this podcast, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but uh, you should definitely run out and get some. Whew. All right. Now, unfortunately for Anatoly, he would not get the chance to perfect his resurrection technique. While I say unfortunately for him, I would definitely say that it was very fortunate for everyone else. I mean, it's got to be pretty concerning to people when graves keep getting dug up and bodies are being removed. It's just like, and it's especially like, it's especially disturbing to the families of those people. Like, you know, think about it. Like you just, you just buried your child, right? And you're like, you're already grieving. You're already hurt. You're already fucking going through it, right? And then somebody digs up the fucking body and just takes your kid's body or like a part of your kid's body. Cause like sometimes I I guess he just like, I don't know if he always took the whole body. Like he sometimes would like piece together body. I'm getting ahead of myself, but anyway, back on topic. So yeah, as I was saying, it has to be especially disturbing to the families of the now displaced deceased. So, of course, it was only a matter of time before an investigation was launched into what was happening to all of these missing bodies. And it wasn't long after their investigation, it wasn't long after that, that their investigation would lead them to Anatoly Moskvin. On November 2nd, 2011, police arrested Anatoly on suspicion of his involvement in the desecration of dozens of graves in cemeteries as far away as Moscow. Upon entering the Moskvin family's apartment, investigators with the Center for Combating Extremism, also known as Center E, discovered 26 bodies that had been turned into life-sized mummified dolls. Also, I uh, think that the Center for Combating Extremism is one hell of a fucking name for, like, a police unit. Just saying. Center E even sounds kind of cool. It's kind of like Chemical X, you know? Nod to all my 90s kids. Chemical X. It is almost hard to process what you were seeing in the video that was shot by the investigators from inside the home. It almost looks like you are watching an episode of Russian Hoarders at first. Debris and piles of clutter and books and trash are everywhere and officers are weaving their way through the rooms. Then, 
you start to notice the dolls. And pretty soon, that's almost all that you can see. They are everywhere. Most are positioned on small couches or shelves, and they are creepy as fuck. Like, part of his preservation process was he would use, uh, I think it was like wax or like something like that, and he would create these masks for them. And so it'd just be these like blank faces, and then like the rest of the body was just like wrapped in clothing and like dressed up, and like it was just, it's super creepy. Like I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna include the video in the description. You guys have to check it out. It's fucking twisted. While they only found 26 bodies in total, they also found evidence that Anatoly had been at this for a long time and that he had been busy. Among other things, they found several metal nameplates that had been removed from tombstones as well as other small keepsakes from several graves. Anatoly also kept a rather extensive record of his actions over the years, including his set of instructions on how to preserve and create the human dolls, detailed maps of many of the cemeteries in the region, and a series of photos and videos of open graves. Anatoly was extremely cooperative with the investigators, even walking them through the home and telling them about how he created the dolls over the past 10 years. So I'm going to do my final dab of the episode. This is the Jet Fuel Pie OGs. It's on the lid. <laughs> Ooh. It's almost like fresh cut grass and lemon peels. Or like oranges, like tangerines maybe. Cuties. Maybe like a cutie. Yeah. Fresh cut grass and cuties. If you don't know, cuties are like little tiny oranges that just, they're cute. So they call them cuties. I don't know. I don't come up with the names. I don't know if it's just the uh, the fact that I've been drinking this like Skittles drink, but it's got kind of like a sweetness to it. Oh, sorry, it's a little warm in here. Although outside, it's like finally starting to get all rainy and fall-like, and I could not be happier. So fucking over summer, like least favorite season of all the seasons hands down summer just too fucking hot you just you can't like with cold you can put on like as many clothes as you need to and you're not cold anymore i mean you, you know you can like fight the cold but with hot like with heat you can only like legally take off so much clothing in public and then even then you're still fucking hot like you can't peel your skin off and air out you know unless you're a lizard person Huh. Speaking of which, the queen died. Oh, too soon? I'm kidding for any of my British listeners. 
anybody over in you know good old UK. I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. <sighs> I'm sure the queen was only like part lizard person. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <coughs> oh god. <coughs> oh fuck. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Ah. Next thing you know, I'm going to be assassinated by the royal family. I'm joking. Jesus. Don't get so offended. <laughs> but uh, no, in all seriousness, that, that like longest ruling monarch uh, in, in the history of, of England. And uh, that's pretty cool. Like, it's going to be the first time that England's had a king in fucking like 70 years. That's a fucking trip, dude. Anyway, <laughs> I got to get back on topic. Let me wrap this up real quick. Now, initially, Anatoly Moskvin was charged with the desecration of graves and dead bodies under Article 244 of the Criminal Code, the maximum sentence for which was five years. However, following a psychiatric evaluation, it was determined that he suffered from a form of paranoid schizophrenia, and it was eventually decided that he was not mentally fit to stand trial. This meant that while he was no longer held criminally liable, he was instead to be sentenced to what they referred to as, quote, coercive medical measures. Oh, Jesus, that sounds like a lobotomy or shock therapy. I don't know, lobotomy does sound kind of nice sometimes. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so, and he was transferred to a psychiatric clinic. The court also decided that his case would be reviewed regularly to determine if Anatoly was ever fit to stand trial. After three years of these reviews, it became clear that he never would be and was kept for treatment at the clinic. Anatoly's doctors at the facility petitioned for his release in September 2018, claiming that he was, quote, no longer dangerous. I mean, was he ever really, like, dangerous, though? I mean, sure, he dug up a bunch of dead people and he, like, turned his home into, like, this fucked up life-size dollhouse. But does that really make him dangerous? I don't, I, I don't know. I feel like that's a stretch. Dangerous is a stretch. Anyways, the doctor's petition for Anatoly to be released to outpatient care was eventually withdrawn when another psychiatric evaluation in February 2019 stated that it was too early to release him. When asked about his actions, Anatoly said that he knew that he was committing crimes by desecrating the graves and taking the bodies, but he felt that they were calling out to be rescued. So to hell with the law! What is possibly the saddest part of Anatoly's tale is that his actions were also motivated by his desire to have his own children. He especially wanted to have a daughter, and had even attempted to adopt a young girl, uh, against her parents' wishes, apparently, so I'm not entirely sure what that means, but not that not, doesn't really sound the best. It kind of sounds like you tried to kidnap somebody's kid and say, I'm adopting them. But that's, that's probably not what happened, because it does say his application was denied because he didn't make enough money. So apparently, like... The parents just didn't want the kid adopted, but the I guess maybe you know the government was like, "Nah, you're not you're not really fit to be parents." But then again, we're not giving him to this guy either. So <clears throat> yeah, so then he went and dug up his own kids. You know, 
In fact, Anatoly considered the dolls to be his children, and even spoke to them, sang to them, celebrated their birthdays and holidays with them. He would even watch cartoons with them. Sadly, to this day, Anatoly is still being kept in a psychiatric clinic, and is, it is unclear if they will ever let him go home. Uh, speaking of his home, how in the fuck did his parents not realize what was going on? Like the entire time, because like if he's doing this for over ten years, he's like bringing home dead bodies and like turning them into dolls and like all of this shit. And the house looks like fucking hoarders, and the parents just didn't notice. Because like I mean, okay, so I saw something where it's saying that you know the parents were always away from the house for most of the year, but like you have to come home eventually. And every once in a while, you might just ask some fucking questions about like, hey, what's with all the weird looking dolls? But apparently they just say that they, you know, they thought he collected vintage dolls. Right. Y'all knew. I'm looking at you, fucking Brian Laundry's parents. Mm-hmm. Don't think we forgot. <sighs> well, anyways, that was the story of Anatoly Moskvin, the self-proclaimed necropolist and doll maker of Nichni Novgorod. This next episode of Dab to Death is going to be a serious mindfuck, as I am going dab deep into the rabbit hole that is simulation theory and how it connects to the Mandela effect. That's right, we're asking the fucking question, do we live in the Matrix? Is this all a simulation? Is the cake a lie? Now, this is far too crazy of a topic to try and tackle by myself, so I will be joined in the studio by my very first guests. So, welcome back. Stay tuned for bigger and better things, including video episodes, daily social media content, and the Dab to Death Patreon, where you'll get all the uncensored, unedited extras. If you have any feedback on this or any other episode, feel free to reach out, message me on any of the social medias. That is at dab to death. Unless you're on Instagram, then it's at dab to death podcast. Or you can just send an email to feedback at dab to death dot com. And always remember to be careful out there. You never know when you may get dab to death.